For several weeks, I've been anticipating this Sunday as I've been preparing for this new set of, of sermons that I'm calling Teach Us to Pray. And as you can see, Jerry's collected some versions of this prayer by song that maybe you're going to learn a few over the next few weeks because we're going to be studying this prayer for six weeks. And one of the reasons that I wanted us to jump into this series on prayer is that I think when it comes to prayer, lots of us feel like we're not doing it Right. Like there's something that we're missing in prayer. And if we could just find the right formula, then maybe we could communicate with God better. Maybe maybe God would respond in a way that pleases us, that he would do what we're asking him to do more quickly, more rapidly, more completely. Or maybe we feel like if we were just a little more sincere, right? If I, if I were sort of like Linus in the pumpkin patch, if sincerity counts, then the great pumpkin or God will come by and do for us what we want him to do. Maybe not exactly like that, but we feel like if there were more sincerity, it would be a better prayer. Or we feel like if we were doing prayer right, our spiritual maturity would really grow and, and I would become a better person. And I don't seem to be doing that, so maybe I'm just not doing this thing right. And so I want us to think for a few weeks about getting prayer, well, maybe not right, because maybe that's not the best word. The good news for us is, even if we don't know how to pray and feel like over and over we're getting this wrong, Jesus taught us to pray. He gave us a prayer to use. And so over the next few weeks, I'm not going to be sharing on prayer because somehow I think I know how to do it better than you because there's lots of times I don't feel like I've got it right either. But Jesus gave us this prayer to learn from. And so I would like for us to do just that. And this is the prayer that we have. We find it in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus says, pray like this. In fact, over in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives us a similar prayer. His disciples come to him and say, teach us to pray. And he delivers this prayer to them. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. It's well known to lots of you. He says it this way, beginning in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Maybe you've got that memorized. Maybe it's in a different uh, translation. It's got some thines and thous and stuff like that. Or maybe it's just like this. But let me encourage you, if you don't have it memorized, it probably wouldn't take you that long to memorize it because we're going to be examining this line by line, sort of a deep dive into each verse of this prayer. Now, Jesus begins by saying, this then is how you should pray. And so if we want to learn about prayer, this is a good place to start. But our first question might be, what does Jesus mean right there at the beginning? Does he mean like we should pray this prayer, these words when we pray, we should pray this? Or does he mean take this as a model and pray like this? Use your own experiences, your own needs, the way you need to grow and filter that into this prayer that I'm giving you. And my answer is to that... Yes, I think we can do both, right? We can use these words to pray, or we can take Jesus' model prayer and use it as our model to pray what's going on in our hearts. So 
Let's try to do both over the next few weeks. One of my goals in this series is to take it outside of Sunday morning, not just our time in here, but to fill our lives with some lessons that we're learning. We've got some emails and social media posts that are going out. Make sure you pay attention to those. If you haven't signed up, just check our Facebook page and you can see how to sign up for those emails. But I'd also like you to think about how to pray this prayer during this series. And so what I've done, you can do this if you want, I've set an alarm on my phone 8.30 every morning to remind me to pray this prayer. And the great thing about this prayer is if you memorize it, you can pray it in the car line, you can pray it on your way to work, you can pray it sitting at your desk or whatever your job is. And wouldn't it be great if dozens of us were praying this prayer at 8.30 every morning for six weeks? Maybe that time doesn't work for you, that's fine. Pray it at a different time. But let's be praying through what Jesus gave us in this prayer. Now, some people might say, I'm a little concerned about that because like in the the verses just before this, Jesus is talking about prayer and he says, make sure you're not like the pagans who just go on and on repeating words and they're trying to impress the gods with all their words so they'll listen and do what they want. And it's real easy to just repeat this and maybe not even mean it. And you know what? It is. But what I found is, whether I'm using this prayer, or I'm reading a prayer from someone else, or even if I'm praying just what's going on with me, my mind can wander using any of those prayers. It takes intentionality to focus in on what we're praying. So yeah, don't pray it just sort of rote. Don't just say the words. Pray it. But that's what we're going to be doing with all of our prayers. You know, one of the great things about this prayer is, It really is a distillation, an encapsulation of Jesus' whole ministry. Listen to what he says. Our Father in heaven, it begins with God. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus preaches the kingdom throughout his ministry. Your will be done. Jesus preaches that as well. He talks about feeding people and forgiving people, which are right in the midst of this prayer, and the power of sin and overcoming temptation. And it is all fulfilled in Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection where he is glorified. This prayer prays the whole ministry of Jesus. So as you're praying this, you're praying just what Jesus did while he was among us. So what does he mean as he begins the prayer? I want us to think through that, and we're going to skip around a little bit today. So if you've got your Bible, open it. We're going to look at several different passages because Jesus begins this prayer with the words, Our Father in Heaven. Now what's interesting about that is the ancient Jews, the first century Jews, Jesus was one of them, teaching them, okay, didn't often pray using that language of Our Father. Now it's really common for us to begin a prayer with, Father in heaven, Father, our Father, any of those phrases, it was comparatively used much less often in the ancient world than it is today. In fact, relatively rare. So when they heard the words, our Father, what did they mean by that? What would have come to their minds as Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, what would that have meant to them? I think for us, it can get a little confusing because... For almost all of us, when we say Father, there's an image that comes to mind, right? Maybe it's an image of someone that we love who loves us or loved us, someone who is encouraging, sort of helped us to grow, loved us, 
was kind to us, provided for us, and so it's really positive. Or maybe for some others, as you pray to our Father, it's, it's hard for some negative things not to come to mind. Because when you think of Father, you think of someone who didn't have time for you, wasn't really present, either physically or emotionally. Maybe it was just about discipline and that discipline could be hard. Maybe it's even about abuse. And so it can be a little confusing. So what did Jesus actually mean when he said, our Father? One of the first references that we have in Scripture to God being a Father goes all the way back to the second book of the Bible in Exodus chapter 4. In this passage, we have the people of Israel in Egypt. They're enslaved. They're being led by Moses. And God has said, Moses, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt and you're going to free them from their slavery and I'm going to make them into a people. This is a passage that's all about freedom. And God had instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and say these words that we find in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what Yahweh, the Lord, says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. This goes back to the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. But the point is, here at the beginning of the life of Israel, before they are even a nation, God is calling them his son. God is the father Israel is the son. And it is unmistakable that when the people heard Jesus talking to our father, this is an image that would have come to mind because it was formative in their national experience. God was the father of their nation. God had called them into existence. And so when Jesus prays, our father, it is about God freeing people from slavery. This is Freedom language, okay? Our Father is a call to be part of what God was doing when he freed the people from Israel. Now, these promises of God to make them into a great nation and to bring them freedom, to give them their own land, were extended as God brought about the kingly line of David, this royal line. And David sort of is the the one who channels these promises to the people. And we read about that in the book of Psalms. Psalm 2, beginning in verse 5. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son, and today I have become your father. The king, representing the people of Israel, becomes the son, and God is the father. So David, the greatest king, But it's told that he cannot build the temple, this place that would be the dwelling place of God, the intersection of heaven and earth. His son Solomon would be the one to do that. And we see them talking about that over in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Talking about Solomon, telling David, this is going to happen in your lineage. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken from him. 
So Solomon would build the temple, the place where God would dwell among his people, his freedom people. So when Jesus talks about our father, he is the father of the people of Israel, leading them to freedom. He is the father of the king through which God's promises are funneled to the people. And he is the father of the one who built the temple by God's direction, Solomon. But we also know that these kings eventually strayed from God and the people were taken back into slavery once again. Captivity in Babylon and then Persia. But God's promises were extended through the line of David to the Messiah. And Jesus was the fulfillment of those promises of God bringing his people to freedom. And so Jesus, as God's son, is the conduit of those promises to us. The writer of Hebrews saw that as well in chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming the high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, and today I have become your father. These promises run from all the way at the beginning through the book of Revelation at the very end where we see that there is no temple in the new city of Jerusalem but we see the people ready to freely worship God as God's people in that city. And so, Jesus, in the middle of all that, the promises that came from the Old Testament and extended to the end of the New Testament, Jesus teaching in the midst of that, when he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the people who heard him immediately thought of God's freedom work. Because God had chosen this people and he had made them his son. And he had made their kings his son. And those promises extended to Jesus as the Messiah, God's son. And then to us as we believe in Jesus. And so when we pray our Father... We are saying, God, it's not that we're asking you to get your to-do list out because I've got some things to add to your list. But God, I want to be involved in what you're doing. The lesson for us is that in prayer, we involve ourselves in the nature and work of God. God is a freedom God calling us from the slavery of sin and death to freedom in eternal life. And when we say, our Father, we are saying, I want to be part of that. I want to participate in what God is doing. And so my mission in life is not to get what I want. My mission in life is to share that message of freedom with the people around me who are enslaved by their sin, enslaved by the death that will come from that sin to extend those promises given to the people of Israel, to their kings, to the Messiah, to Jesus, to us. When we pray, Our Father, we are saying, I want to be part of God's freedom work. So it's not just about, God, get ready, because i got some stuff going on that I need you to deal with. And we might. And there's a place for that too. But at the beginning of this prayer, we are saying, God, what you are doing matters more than what I'm doing. 
and your freedom work is more important than anything else I can cook up to do in this life. So from the very first words of this prayer, the first line, what we are saying is, God, involve me in what you're doing. So this week, as you pray this prayer, maybe every day, our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed is your name. It's not just a way of getting God's attention. Hey, God, listen in, because here's what I need you to do. Rather, what we're saying is, God, I want to step into the stream of your work that has been flowing from Egypt through Israel, through Babylon, through slavery, to freedom in Jesus Christ. And I want that work to be my work. And I want to participate in what you're doing because it is so much more important than anything else I've got to do. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you will invite us into your work. We pray that you will make us a freedom people who can tell others that the power of your spirit is greater than anything else that we've got to do or anything that is holding us back. Whether it's addiction, as we talked about earlier in our service, whether it's our own selfishness, whether it's our sin, the temptation that keeps calling to us. God, we pray that the power of freedom that's at work in Jesus would be at work in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.